Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Expat Chinwag and today I am going to be talking about international travel. It will kind of cross over in some places with the domestic US travel one that I done the other day because obviously some of my travels to the US were while I was still living in the UK so technically they were international even though now they're kind of considered domestic. But yeah, so I'll be talking about some of my favourite destinations around the world, some of my favourite trips, as well as some of the, the tips and things that I've learned from when I travel. So I'll start with the tips first. Tip number one is to always try and stick with the time zone of your destination. So, because I don't really suffer from jet lag anymore since I've been doing this. It's really important to say, for example, one of the hardest flights is the overnight one to say Australia, it goes on for days. <laughs> it takes roughly 24 hours from both the US and the UK. But they tend to land about 6am in the morning in Australia, which then means you have to try and live the whole day in Australia without going to bed. It's really tough because a lot of the time you kind of hit the wall about three o'clock in the afternoon, but it's so important to try and stick it out as long as you can. So if you can get to like even 7.30, 8 o'clock, usually you'll be so tired, you'll probably get a normal like night's sleep, like even if it's 12 hours worth of sleep, you'll get a normal night's sleep. So then when you wake up the next day, you are then good to go and you're kind of then on track with the rest of the country is so yeah that is really important to try and do that whenever you can the only one that i struggled with was for some strange reason it was a day flight to the uk that i kind of struggled with i'm not sure why um there's not many of them from chicago there's only one flight a day that goes from chicago to london that leaves in the day and lands on the same day a lot of them are overnight so yeah i took the morning flight that landed in the uk about 11 o'clock at night but then obviously then you kind of want to go to sleep then to try and stick with the uk time but in your head it's only five o'clock at night so even though you're kind of tired because it's been a long day you have to get to the airport at like five o'clock in the morning for that flight you're kind of tired but you're not really tired enough to get like a whole day sleep like compared to when you take the night flight that then lands about nine ten o'clock in the morning you then obviously live your day go to bed at like normal time in the evening and then you're back on track again so that flight for some reason is a really hard one to adjust to but other than that i normally find it quite easy with time zones and that as long as you try and stick at least until 7 38 o'clock before you go to bed tip number two is that I always look for all of my flights on Google Flights. So it's google.com forward slash flights. They compare most of the airlines. For the most part, I found them to be the best for finding cheap flights. We're not talking things like air affairs and ones where you really have to be on the ball. It kind of gives you like the best way of finding cheap flights easy so it shows you some of the airlines you can compare them all you can compare the days you can like look at the month view and see what days are cheapest to fly on so I tend to use that but you have to kind of take it with a pinch of salt because some airlines aren't on Google flights so say for example Ryanair isn't on Google flights so if you're searching for say around Europe they might not necessarily be the cheapest ones that come up because you've got things like Ryanair and EasyJet that don't appear on that search engine. Someone said about using Hopper once as well 
a lot of people say hopper because it tells you if there's a chance that the fit like the airfare will go down or whether it will go up and whether it's a good time to book or not and when i was looking for the summer i had like a watch on the germany to bosnia flight that i wanted and they said no don't book yet you know it will come down you know and it was like really really high but then when i went on the website for the airlines that were on like that hopper were advertising it was actually a lot cheaper than what hopper was saying so i ended up getting it about 70 dollars cheaper than what hopper was telling me it was so you sometimes have to still like take things with a pinch of salt don't always rely on what is shown um carrying on from that another one of my tips is to try and fly hand luggage as much as you can it just save time and sometimes you really don't need that much luggage when i went to australia i done the whole two weeks with a cabin case and a backpack so it's like you don't need to always pack loads and loads of changes of clothes and stuff it's like it is possible to fly with not much luggage so if you can try and fly with only cabin baggage you sometimes save on fees because a lot of the airlines now you have to pay to check in a bag you don't get them for free anymore even on some of the like the long haul transatlantic flights you don't always get a free bag anymore so if you can try and max out your cabin baggage which often is free try and do that to save yourself a little bit of money so for now i'm going to go back to some of my favourite destinations in the world. One of them is Hawaii. I love Oahu. Um, like I said in the other one, not so much Waikiki. I like the Wynwood side, which is like the more quieter side. I think the beaches are a little bit nicer and there's not as many people. And I just loved everything about Hawaii. I also love Australia as well. I've been there three times now. It's one of those places where I thought... It would be like a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and it turned out I went another two times after that. Um, so I really like Australia. I've been to the West Coast. I've seen Ayers Rock, and then I've done a road trip of the East Coast of Australia as well. So I really like Australia. One of my favourite travel experiences is that I went camping in the Sahara Desert, where... You rode a camel out into the sand dunes and then you stayed in a tent and then you got back on the camel the next day and went back to civilization. Um, it was, the camel was really uncomfortable. It's like, I don't ride horses or anything. And I honestly thought that like my bum was broken forever. <laughs> it, it hurt. It's like the constant like impact, like the movement of the camel and you're like, bashing your, like against the hump for like two hours it was sore <laughs> it hurt and then every time like he would go down a drop he'd just be like oh it's like you'd make some really weird noises every time but um it was an inexperience and the sahara desert is amazing and then when we got to the camp where we were then staying like in the tent um as had a hole in the roof and there was also a sandstorm as well so it was a little bit crazy I woke up and there was like sand like in like my eye sockets it's like you'd wake up and you'd have to like dust dust the sand out your eyes but that was a, a really good experience I really enjoyed it even though it was a little crazy so I went to the Moroccan part of the Sahara Desert as well uh, what are some other places I like I really like Latvia I like Bosnia 
<coughs> excuse me um yeah i really like bosnia as well one of my biggest aims was to go and see the disused olympic bobsleigh track that was from the 1984 olympics in sarajevo it's now covered in like graffiti and street art and you can like walk the length of the track which i thought was awesome i am a big bobsleigh fan so for me i really enjoyed that back to like the a bit like in the domestic travel one one of uh, one of the best trips we've taken is Route 66 that's just a good one with the family it's not so much on that one the destination it was kind of like the journey of we saw so much and so many different states while we went through so that was really good as well um what other places do I like I really like the like the southwest coast of England where Cornwall and Devon um the coastline is really nice down there uh, I kind of grew up going down there nearly every year. I learned how to surf down there. So that is one of my favourite places in the UK as well. I love Cornwall and Devon. Um, another kind of question that I get asked as well when it comes to international travel. At the moment, I think my country count is around 42 different countries. And I got asked a question the other day of, do I know the language of every single country that I travel to? And the honest answer is, no, I don't. Um, I do often think the English are a little bit lazy. I'm allowed to say that. I'm English. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like when like we travel as English speakers, we, we kind of automatically expect everybody else to know the language, which for a big part, it is. Like Even like in places where you wouldn't really expect it it's like the airports generally like say trans uh, translate everything in their own language and then in english so the majority of places do have english everywhere even if people don't really know english that well they know enough say for you to communicate like when i was in sarajevo my like hotel like the people that work there not all of them knew great English, but you could communicate via broken English. But it'd be impossible to kind of learn every language in a way that you could say communicate with them. Like, it's good to know things like thank you, hello, goodbye, please. Like the odd word to like kind of show that you are making an effort. But to be able to say ask like for whole sentences in that language, I just think it would be kudos if you can but to know all the separate different languages I think it would be a lot <laughs> um things like google translate now do help a lot in situations like that if you say have like cell data or like mobile data that does help a lot with trying to communicate in that way but I do learn Spanish I try and do Spanish every day on the Duolingo app. It's free. And I find that that's, I don't know, I, I haven't been to Spain since I've been learning it or to a Spanish-speaking country, but I always kind of had it because I learned, it, I started learning it when I was in college and then I went to Costa Rica and I could kind of speak it in a way where I could get by. Like I could ask when the next bus was going to be and I could understand where it was going to be and at what time. So it's like I could pick up things that, were there so I've always kind of had a bit of a, a basic of Spanish but now I'm trying to learn more of it just so I don't seem so like useless but it goes back to say 
another thing that I would say struggle with is I learned German for three years when I was at school and then when I then took my Spanish exam in college I started speaking German in my Spanish exam they would ask me a question and I would reply to it in German and they didn't mark me down because I was like oh no that's German so it's like they were kind of impressed that I knew like two different things but I often would get confused with the different things you'd you'd think of a word and you're like no that's the wrong language so you can tend to I know it fries your brain a little bit when you're trying to have all these different like languages and that and I find that sometimes like when I was in Costa Rica people would speak to me in Spanish and I could understand what they were saying but I then find it hard to say form the sentence to get it back out again so there's one there's one thing where I just done like an overnight like turtle hatchery shift at like this turtle sanctuary place and um the next morning I had to then get a taxi back to like the main city so I could get my flight the following day and the guy was talking to me in Spanish and I kept answering in English and he was like why are you answering in English if you understand everything I'm saying it's like I'm too tired to like even attempt to try and form the sentence right now it's like I'm sorry so it's like sometimes as well if you know part of a language like you might answer be like oh like como estas and then that might be the only thing you know and then they're like oh like start talking back to you really fast you're like no that's where it ends now it's like that's all I know I'm sorry so sometimes it can be a little bit embarrassing because then they start talking to you like in the language and you're like yeah no I'm done now it's like sorry that's that's the length of my language so um yeah but it is sometimes nice just to try and know a couple of different words just so it looks like you're making an effort and sometimes they appreciate it to like show that you're trying <laughs> to like learn the language but yeah I think I'm going to wrap this one up here the next episode is going to be about Halloween so it'd be my thoughts and opinions as a Brit in America on what Halloween is like and some of the differences between the two countries so yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode and you have a great day and I'll see you in the next one Bye.